thank TCM for this primacy of the yin yin channels going to Zhang Fu and focusing on the Zhang because you know it's TCM is focused on the material aspect it's focused more on the yin than it is on the yang both from a both from an herbal perspective and also from an acupuncture perspective and, and then the whole i think the whole thrust of what chapter 33 is saying is I'm Michael Max and this is geological One of the criticisms leveled at Chinese medicine is that it's not standardized, that it doesn't lend itself to standard of care protocols or fit neatly into the modern material scientific paradigm, that it works from a set of basic principles rather than from a biochemical or Western physiological perspective. Our medicine is seen as less than scientific, even though it shares more in common with modern physics than it does with conventional medicine. And because our methods tend to follow process more than prescription, we get accused of lack standards by those who fail to notice that what at one level appears to be contradiction, at a more unified level, shows those differences to really be two sides of a single coin. Establishment medicine often dismisses us that we're not standardized, as if there was such a thing as a, air quotes here, standard patient. And even amongst ourselves, we often cling to a method we enjoy and like to think of it as special or somehow more true than another way of approaching clinical practice. Our growing up in a culture that values standards over process, that gives more weight to standardization than individual nuance. And it leans more on linear cause and effect than circular mutual influence. It can bias us into thinking that there's one best way to help people with the medicine that we practice. Really, the strength of our medicine is not that it produces predictable results in a laboratory setting, but that it brings forth results in clinical practice with constellations of conditions that more approximate reality than fits into the tiny rubric of a test matrix or an insurance company accountant's worksheet, for that matter. While we may have learned our medicine using flowcharts to help us learn to think in new ways, any experienced practitioner will tell you it's not helpful to put our patients into boxes and treat in this kind of a rote fashion. We know that while one approach might work quite well for one patient, another patient who seems quite similar, they're going to require us to take a whole different perspective. The plurality and varied approaches in our medicine are not a weakness to be corrected so that they might fit into the modern medical paradigm. In fact, our diversity has allowed our medicine to unfold over the millennia, adapt to new conditions, and take root in otherwise disparate cultures and give us a set of principles that we can learn to unfold in our own time, in our particular locale, with our unique perspective, so as to relieve suffering and allow our patients to reconnect with that part of themselves that knows how to heal themselves. Today, we're going to get into a conversation about the heavenly stems and branches and how they can inform and influence our work with acupuncture in the clinic. Now, stems and branches can be a confusing calculation, but this conversation is one more of looking at how the turning cycles of heaven are fractally reflected in the body and how chapter 33 from the Nanjing gives us some clues on how the husband-wife relationship helps us to understand what turns the wheel of the five phases. You might want to check out the show notes for this one, as our guest David Toon has been generous enough to share some of his charts that will give you a map of the territory that we're going to be covering in this episode. Let's get into it. 
These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Ponsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code geological at the time of sign up for a 1-month grace period 
on your new Jane account. David Toon, welcome to Geological. Thanks, Michael. It is really awesome to hang out with you today, as always. Yeah, it, it, it is fun hanging out. We've, you know, we've had some background studying some Shanghan Lun and, uh, you know, classical stuff. Today, we're getting into some, like, beyond classical in some way, stems and branches. So, I mean, I remember when I was in school, we were exposed to stems and branches. And my first thought at that point was, I don't have a mind for mathematics. And this sounds like geomancy. And what does it have to do with medicine? And it sounds really cool, but maybe in 20 years, I'll come back and revisit it. Well, guess what? <laughs> it's now 20 years later. There you go. There Stems you go. and branches. How, what got you drawn to this? Well, I mean, honestly, not, I'm really wasn't, and I'm not. And because, you know, I'm, this, I'm just like you. I'm not you know, into the calculating, you know, and, and everything. But really, this is just the con logical conclusion of the study with my acupuncture teacher and sort of the, the progression of how, uh, how he taught me and then me applying what he taught me to looking at the classics and trying to figure, like, how is this stuff put together and how does you know, how does this stuff apply in clinic? And then what is the classical reference point for it? So I literally just, you know, took, you know, my, my, the information my teacher was giving me, the palpation skills, the clinical skills that he was really trying to get me to, to uh, learn and to be able to implement in clinic. And then from there, just saying, huh, well, that just worked in the clinic. Um, why? What was the theory to back that up? And so little oh, by man, little... We see little... this all the time, don't we? Oh, totally. We'll see something in the clinic, you follow something, or someone tells you something, and yeah, it, and it works, and you kind of scratch your head and go, what just happened? Right. And then, you know, I think for me, I always want to know then why. Mm -hmm. And when I, you know, and, and both my herb teacher and my acupuncture teacher have both gotten you know, on to me and said, well, stop just learn how to do it, get the clinical skills, stop trying to apply all this theory to it. And I just never could not apply the theory. You know? So, Well, you know, I get there's a part of me as well. I love following what my hands say. I love following like, some, you know, it's like following the scent of something when you're doing a treatment. And sometimes there's a place for theory in that but I, I find these days if i'm if i'm really getting into thinking like well according to the theory that usually means mm -hmm. i've lost my place absolutely yeah theory and you know two dollars and fifty cents will get you a cup of coffee yeah but at the same time the theory is interesting uh you know for those of us that have an intellectual bend it's it, it's mentally stimulating and ideally it helps us to recreate good results from the clinic, right? That, that I think is the key. If you can basically, you know, use the clinical and the palpation skills, get the result and then be able to understand the theory and tie it into the theory. It's what gives us, again, I think our predictive uh, value and the difference between being able to say, well, that worked once. I don't know why. And mm -hmm. being able to look a patient in the eye and say, this is where you're at in the process. And I think in two to three weeks, you're going to be improved, but look out for these symptoms. 
you know, and then basically take them back to health. I think you're exactly right on that. Yeah, yeah, it, it really helps us to focus what we're doing and, and, and to lay out a, a roadmap for people. Right, right. Um, I, I think it's called a hypothesis, and then, and then we test it, right? Right, absolutely. And then, you know, and, and then again, it's just fun. I mean, it's just so awesome. So a person who used to make my herbs years ago, she, she came up and she uh, said, David, I finally figured out what your job description is. And she said, you are a clinical medical forensic anthropologist. Oh, man. <laughs> and she's right. She nailed it. She yeah, totally nailed no, it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I think there's a show on Netflix about you. Yeah, they got, they got the guy from Sherlock playing you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if only, right? <laughs> so... Okay, so I know a little bit about your acupuncture teacher because I, you know, thanks to you, I've taken some classes with Dr. Bear as well. Right, right. Right, the great blind Japanese acupuncturist. And uh, God, he's always so funny, you know, like, you know, when he's talking to people and we're nodding our heads and he always goes, speak up, I can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> How did he know we were nodding our heads? I mean, that guy, that guy's amazing. Anyway, I'm curious to know how the palpatory skills that he's taught, the various classical materials that he's put you in touch with, how did all of that then bring you down the road of stems and branches? So first of all, when working with any, you know, most Japanese systems, they're really into meridian balancing, right? Mm. So most of the time, a lot of the meridian balancing, they'll pull from Nanjing chapter 69, you know, which is in cases of deficiency, tonify the mother in case of excess, you know, sedate the sun kind of a thing. And, and Dr. Bear, as he was teaching us, he basically said, you know, that's where he started. And then over time, he just found that as his clinical skills improved, that worked about 30% of the time. And he was like, well, that's not good enough. Mm. So then he starts going in elsewhere into the Nanjing and starts to find these other chapters. And then he's like, well, hey, wait a second, you know, the, the whole... Um, sections in the in the 60s and 70s, that's not about channel selection anyway. That's about point selection, if you just read the whole of it. And then, so he starts playing around with Anjing chapter 33 and what they call husband and wife theory, right? And so mm -hmm. there's a whole, there's a section that's actually kind of a goofy section if you read it, you know, where... Um, you know, the, the, the author says, hey, if the liver is wood and wood floats. Why, if you throw a hunk of liver in the water, why does it sink? And there's actually an answer to that. Wait, and the that, that's, wait that's really in there? That's totally in there. And then he says, okay, well, if the lung is metal and you throw a lung in the water, why does, why it, does float? it float? <laughs> yeah, right? And so as I'm reading it the first time, I'm thinking of the Monty Python skit about, uh, oh, great one, you know, what is uh, what also floats in water? And then rocks, uh, wood, uh, a duck, <laughs> sort of a thing. <laughs> and he's like, and so it's just, it's absurd. But like in that section the author of the Nanjing explains why the relationship, not only why the relationship between this husband and wife, but also what makes the phases actually turn. Why is it, why are the, you know, what turns earth into metal? What turns metal into water? 
And it's based in, in the explanation is in this, in this section. So anyway, so that started to, you know, as I'm reading this and Dr. Bear is saying, um, well, chapter 33, it's about husband and wife. And so I started to then play around with this theory and using palpation skills and say, well, I'm going to play around. I'm going to tonify the large intestine channel. And then I'm going to tonify the liver channel. And then I'm going to treat the liver channel. And then I got a really good result. By the way, that's four gates, right? We learned that. That's TCM 101, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And this is the explanation as to why four gates works. But then the question is, well, shoot, you know, I'm looking at my patient kind of, you know, longitudinally over time and going, well, they're getting better. I've been treating large intestine and liver. So what is that doing? Am I basically, from a five-phase perspective, am I building wood? Or am I building metal? Which is it? Over time, I started playing around with what, what is it? Am, what am I doing? What, am I, what is improving and what isn't? And then so I then was uh, working with uh, the teacher who I was, the Jinfang teacher who I started practicing or studying with before I found my current Jinfang teacher, who's Arno Versluis. And he was talking about how um, if you tonify large intestine and liver at the same time, you generate uh, metal. And I'm like, well, shoot, I'm going to test that out. And same also all the way around the scale. If you basically tonify uh, small intestine and then treat the lung channel, you're going to generate water. And so I asked, I asked him at the time, I asked, uh, it was a, a guy named Bo Cherny, uh, and he's like, well, that's just the way the, the great movements and the stems and branches work. Uh, and the end of story. Uh, so so you, like, had, so you had a hint long ago. I had a hint, right, right. Knocking around in the back of your yep. mind, hey, wait a minute, this, yep. this, could, could this be what he was talking about? Yep. Then about three, four, five thousand treatments later, I'm able to say, huh, that's actually a clinical model that holds some water in my own clinic. I'm actually getting patients better. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think you're in a you similar situation. What's that? And you could even float a lung in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, just to be just for full disclosure, I have not actually reproduced those experiments in real life. So I'm <laughs> not floating lungs, I'm not sinking <laughs> livers. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, so this is cool. There's, there's a phrase that you used a few minutes ago that really caught my attention. And, mm -hmm. and what you said was, what makes the phases turn? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So I, I love this kind of thing because generally speaking, we're looking at the phases. Mm -hmm. We're thinking about the phases. We've got this story about how, you know, Earth, you know, generates metal blah, blah, blah. It, it's a very nice story. But this idea of, you know, what turns it, what takes something from one thing to something else? What causes, do I dare use the word chi transformation, but some sort of transformation? We'll totally. just leave chi out of it. Yeah, or a phase transformation, because we're, we're dealing with the five phases. Sure. We're dealing with a phase transformation. So we're dealing with solid. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't have to be solid, right? The phases go, you know, into psychodynamic and all kinds of stuff. But but anywhere from a psycho psycho emotive experience being transformed into something else that would take a little less energy, I suspect. But you could even have something very physical changing mm -hmm. from one thing to the other. Yeah. 
I expect that would take a little more. So we're not talking here about the thing. We're talking about the shift between things. We're talking about the process right. of transformation, not the thing itself. Yeah, I think you're, and I think that's a really excellent point, and that's a trap that I think all of us, in the, most of us, I assume, in the West get into coming out of this Anglo-German materialistic society, where if it's not a thing that we can quantify, or then we've a really hard time getting our hands or our minds around it. When at the reality, we're really talking about function and relational appearances. And, and yes, and this kind of idea that nothing is permanent and therefore things just really appear before they're on their way to something else. Kind of the answer to that, and it's, it's really interesting, and I think, and, and um, is there are some of the commentators, and for those of you who are geeky and really do want to get into it, this is, we're, right now we're in Nanjing chapter 33, but there are some of the commentators that talk about this. And even though this language is not mentioned in the text, the commentators talk about it in terms of, well, what makes the wheel turn, so to speak, is what they call the husband-wife relationship. And ah. anyone who's married for <laughs> any period of time can appreciate this. But there's kind of this, this mutual attraction repulsion, falling out, falling back in love, and sort of release and kind of affinity and then kind of aversion kind of relationship going on that the commentators talk about. And so in the text and in the, in the Neijing, they talk, talk about it being a hard and soft relationship. And the commentators, they, they from the peanut gallery say, well, this is really like the husband and wife situation going on here. Okay. <laughs> so a couple things I want to get into. And the first, because you brought it up, is this husband-wife relationship and, mm -hmm. and how it is kind of the dynamic of, of, of what's bringing about this transformation. I want to get into that. Yeah. And, and then I want to get into this thing about, like, you were talking earlier that you use tonify the small intestine, and then you're going to do some work with the lung, and then that's going to generate water. And I'm sitting here going, blah, 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 blah. What? Right, so I so I'm, I I want to unpack that, and you listeners, you know, that might be thinking, what was he thinking about that? I just want to let you know that yeah. we're going to get there. Cool, and just so to back up, I mean, I was um, uh, look uh, listening to a podcast you did a couple weeks ago where you mentioned a psalm, you inserted a psalm acupuncture protocol, mm -hmm. and you were talking about you were working from a different perspective, but at the same level that if you you basically balance the phases right, you can do some really cool stuff on the table with your patients right there. Yes. And I'm like, and so it's suddenly, it's like when you as a practitioner get that, it's like, I'm doing this es quote unquote esoteric five phases stuff and the patient is on the table getting better and they're saying, my pain is going down as I'm doing the treatment. I mean, that... That's some powerful fuel to my motivation as an acupuncturist. That is Absolutely. so cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it's really fun. Let me ask you real quickly, since you brought up Psalm. One of the things that I've noticed about Psalm is that if you don't get it right, mm -hmm. you can cause people problems. Yes. 
And that is, I, I completely agree with you. And I think that's true of any effective acupuncture. Mm-hmm. And I'm so tired of, you know, and they teach this in the schools. Well, acupuncture, it's just reestablishing homeostasis. If you do something wrong, you're really not going to hurt them. So it doesn't matter what you do, but we're helping them. It's like, if you can help somebody, you can hurt them. Mm-hmm. You can, and, and I, I really, that's, when you said that, I thought, okay, Michael's really, really practicing some really solid classically based stuff here. Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of Yang Qi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. Well, it, you know, and again, we're going to come back here to stems and branches, five phases, because that, that's mm-hmm. the subject of this. The thing that I've noticed about the Sa'am is it is not balancing in the least. Mm-hmm. It is very strongly, you're throwing all your chips in on one number and going, it's this. And if you're right, yep, you hit a home run. And if you're wrong, you, you, you drive the car off the bridge. And and I think that's the way it should be because the reality is if that patient had any ability to reestablish their own equilibrium from they the five phases, they wouldn't be in phases, our office, would they? Exactly, exactly. And so there's this idea that if we're doing five phase element, five phase acupuncture or classical acupuncture, it's esoteric. It's not the real deal. It's very gentle and subtle, and it. it I, I just think that's misplaced. I really mm-hmm. do. So I, I'm. I think that, I think you're right on with that. Okay. All right. Well, let's being a married man myself, <laughs> let's let's hear about how the husband and wife relationship. We're going to get to stems and branches, right? Well, so yeah, so basically, so let's just go and say why this is and first of all, all this we're talking about this is just heavenly stems. This is not earthly branches. Um, my model for the earthly branches from a clinical perspective is still about so I've been working on the, the stem, the heavenly stems for about, well, ever since I've been in practice, I'm probably about five years away from really, really having like a clinical model for the, for the earthly branches that I can really, really go to town with. And, and then you're going to get a Nobel Prize. <laughs> there Nobel, there's no Nobel Prize for Chinese medicine. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> we did not get into this for notoriety and fame. So. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> Okay, so, 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 I, so you know this is this 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 conversation is becoming problematic because the the more we go into it, the more questions I've got. So, so I've 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 got them all down here. 
Okay, so let's just back up and let's just go with the heavenly stems, okay? Yes. So essentially, in there are five phases and ten stems, right? I, I didn't know that. Okay. So, and every time you have, an, and this is actually getting back to the calendar. So the year, this year is a, what they call a minor or a deficient or a yin earth year. So essentially every year where you have deficient earth, you have, you have the stem G. So as you cycle through the universe, every time we get to the, a year where the heavenly stem is G, you have deficient earth. Is that why there's so much water all around the place right now? Actually, so, and this is getting to another subject, um, another, another, you know, the, the, the time, but actually in the, there is an argument that the reason we are having such a wet year is because there is kind of an imbalance in the stems and branches and what they call the yunqi. And essentially what should have happened is we have a deficient earth year and Yin from post-chi Yin didn't arrive in a timely fashion. So if Yin, which should have arrived, didn't to blow the water away, mm-hmm. you're going to end up with a lot of flooding. There is an argument for that. Okay, so just, I'm, I'm just with you. I'm, okay. I'm with you on that. All yeah. Right. So, and then the next time we have a earth year... The heavenly stem, Ja, will be there. And that is, so G is earth and Ja is wood. Ja is yang wood. G is yin earth. Uh-huh. So G is basically yin earth. I mean, that's that's his spleen. That's as earth as you can get. That's tie-in correspondence wet mm-hmm. along with earth, which is damp. So that's like double damp. Yep. And so essentially what you have is you have, you know, essentially the first stem is Ja, which is yang wood. Okay. So we know that in the body, it manifests as the gallbladder system. Mm-hmm. And then you have yi wood, which is yin wood. Right. So that would okay. be your liver. And so what the, what the dudes, what the, cl- what the commentators said in the classics in, or in chapter 33 is they said essentially... Yin wood is like dad, and it gets tired of the daughter. And so what it does is it's going to basically kick the daughter out of the house, and it's going to basically release the daughter to get married. So the granddad, which is the gallbladder, says, time for you to grow up, honey. And basically with ye wood, which is the liver, says, we got to get you married somewhere. So basically... The liver then, which is which we know sinks, <laughs> which is yin wood, it basically gets married to, it goes next door and hooks up and gets married to yang metal, which is the large intestine, and so on and so forth. So essentially, and then they talk about in the classics, they say, and then when basically everyone, when at the end of the life, Ja and Yi, Yin and Yang would get back together, mm-hmm. and there's death. At the okay. end of life, they basically release it, 
and they and they and they basically die. So we're talking about these various energetic relational transformations. Now they're using the language of husband and wife or father mm -hmm. and daughter, and mm -hmm. you know, it, it, in our modern world, this is going to raise the hackles of a lot of people just because, you know, it's languaging and it's a, you know, a perspective that we may or may not agree with. But it it seems, if I'm getting this correctly, that if we can look at how like yang wood relates with say yin wood mm -hmm. and, and, and it's sort of how it just all goes along the cycle how one thing turns into another right that's that's actually what this is about is there another way of describing this besides family relations because those are always fraught with peril anyway right it's definitely not a politically correct analogy anymore um <laughs> Because, you know, under this analogy, I mean, basically, the other, how it's mentioned in the classics is it's mentioned in the actual text. It's mentioned as the uh, hardness of metal going into the softness of wood. Okay. Yeah. So I think maybe that's maybe, you know, we can go be more textual and less uh, into the comments. Yeah. And so, so there's different ways of, shall we say, drawing the metaphor yeah. of what these relationships are about. Up to and including what we're seeing with people in their illnesses on our table. Okay, so let me just make sure that I'm following here. Nanjing, chapter 33, husband-wife. It's really getting at the crux of how things transform from one phase into another. How something goes from something into, into the next thing. Let's see if we can take this and, and make it a little more concrete because... I, I love a good metaphor, but man, I can make myself uh, confused with this kind of thing. You were, t you were talking about, well, let's go back to liver. We were talking about earth and liver creating metal. That was the original thing that you'd said. Um, so, so the creation of metal is going to be yang metal into yin wood. Yang metal into yin wood creates metal or generates metal yang metal into yin wood generates metal metal okay so that sounds pretty cool i can kind of follow it can you give me an example of what that would look like yeah, just from a clinical perspective. Um, so essentially, and this is actually why the four gates works, we say it actually moves chi. And the from a five-phase perspective, what it does is if you let's just say you have wood in excess, mm -hmm. you can just pick any TCM, you know, liver chi, you know, rising. And any one of the patients that you've seen this week that you would think about a liver excess, just bring them to mind right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, just insert there. And then essentially what you, you know, and if you wanted to basically control the wood, you would then needle large intestine and liver. And then hopefully you've got a system that has palpatory skills. So you're actually just not indiscriminately doing it. You're actually, you know, really, you're really dialing in your, your diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And you're looking for feedback on what you're doing. Absolutely. So right. explain to me, because speaking about wood, I am a dense block of wood. <laughs> I, I can get metal coming in and cutting wood, you know, hard metal into soft mm -hmm. wood. 
right. great image, really fits the co-cycle of metal controlling wood. But in terms of how the large intestine is creating metal, I don't quite get it unless we're, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me back up. So large intestine is metal. Yeah, yeah. So we're using metal. And so it's interesting because in the Nanjing, they use, they use the example of yang wood releasing yin wood, you know, the gallbladder releasing the liver to be married to the large intestine or to yang metal. And that actually makes sense. So you got, you know, so let's just take the earth and the, and the, and the metal phase, right? Okay. So gallbladder, yang wood into yin earth creates earth. Yang metal into yin wood creates metal. That kind of is intuitive. Now, where it gets kind of a little hard to kind of figure out if you're not looking at the relationship between the heavenly stems and the movements of the year, because remember, it's an earth year now, it'll be a metal year next year, and then it'll be a water year the year after, and a wood year, and so on and so forth. So the question then becomes, okay, let's just take fire. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, and you've, you've mentioned this about my practice, that I really am sort of like this, you know, young, nourishing kind of approach. So what I end up doing is I actually find a lot of deficient fire, and I'm basically redirecting it into the different parts of the body or the different phase that I really, where I want to sort of get the pain reduction or get, get the physiology on. So a lot of times I'm actually working from with the fire element from the five phases perspective. Now, this is a little difficult because stomach and kidney in the body generate fire. So from a, a heavenly stems perspective, yang earth, which is wu, moving into yin water, which is gui, generates fire. Right. And that's, that's a tough one. That, that's a tough one. I'm, I'm buckling up here. Okay. I can, I can get how the kidney could generate fire because xiaoyin is, is associated mm-hmm. with fire. Mm-hmm. And I just want to back for a second, too. You know, I mean, so often I forget to remember that we've got yang wood, we've got yin wood, we've got yang metal, we have yin metal. You know, so often, at least in my training and in a way that, that people are often talking, the yin organs get so much preference over the fu yang organs. Yes. You're always hearing about the yin organs. Oh, yeah, you know, we're talking about water, we're talking about the kidney. And the urinary bladder is like left outside in the cold. No wonder it's associated with cold, right? Or the large intestine, the yang metal, you know, when we're thinking metal, we're thinking, everyone goes, oh, metal lung, right? But no, actually, the large intestine is there as well. So I don't know if anyone out there listening right now has the same little mental block I do that I, I have learned to preference the yin organs. And so I kind of forget about the yang organs in terms of a five elemental functioning 
And I think we can thank TCM and it's, you know, and again, I, I really, I like your approach where you're basically in the past, I've heard you say, stop with the TCM bashing. It's a legitimate system. It's, it's, it's really saved Chinese medicine. It's our standardized nomenclature and it establishes minimum standards. But I think we do have to thank TCM for this primacy of the yin, yin channels mm-hmm going to Zhang Fu and focusing on the Zhang because, you know, it's TCM is focused on the material aspect. It's focused more on the yin than it is on the yang, both from a, both from an herbal perspective mm-hmm. and also from an acupuncture perspective. And, and then the whole, I think the whole thrust of what chapter 33 is saying is, I mean, the whole Nanjing exists if you kind of buy the Nanjing as a legitimate source text is it's there to basically clarify and to push the reader of the Neijing to a different level and clarify the areas where the Neijing is confusing or, dare I say, it deficient. And so the whole purpose of this part of the Nanjing is to say, hey guys, if you want to affect the relationship between yin and yang, which is going to generate the proper qi, then you have to basically really focus on the yang channels to basically get the result that you want. Great. Equal rights for both yin and yang channels. That's what I say. (laughs) So anyway, so that's, yeah. So that's, there we go. I I think this is, I mean, we're joking about it in a way, but I, I also think this is a really fundamental thing. I found this for myself that when I start, giving all the organs an equal say in what's going on, mm-hmm. the conversation really changes. Right. Well, and then, and this is part of the, this is part of also the politically incorrect part of this chapter when they equate the male or the husband to the yang organ, or the yang uh, phases, or the yang stems, and then the female wife to the yin, is it's actually saying if you want the yin organs or the yin aspect of the body to behave, you have to drive the right amount of yang into it to get it to work right. Because yin without yang is just a pile of goo on the floor. Absolutely. It has no motive force. And, And without that pile of goo, yang has nothing to manifest through. Yeah, it has no embodiment. Yeah, yes. I mean, yeah. it's absolutely interdependent. Right. Yeah. You got to have a dance partner if you want to dance, basically. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, speaking of fun dances, I want to come back to stomach generating fire. You're not. You're not getting off the hook that easily. Awesome. Because that is clinically actually where most. I mean, if I just look at you know palpation. And then results, that's actually where most of my probably 50, 60% of my meridian balancing ends up is actually looking at um, yang earth and yin, yin water. That was like the big ahas when I realized it's like, oh my gosh, it's like if I want to know where the yang is and I decide the yang is deficient in a certain element or a certain area of the body, I can, I can use then the five phase points to basically take the fire and move it into that area. And then things, things actually just fire up and start working. So it's, you're talking the portable acupuncture futsa. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> that's right. All right. Can you 
Give us a clinical example. Root me down here in something really hands-on, clinical, someone that you've seen in your clinic where you've used this stomach kidney to generate fire. Yeah, sure, sure. So, I mean, one of the things we see a lot, and this is also going to be going from the Jinfang kind of v lens and the, uh, the classical method that, that I, I've been studying with uh, Arnaud versus but we see what, a lot of what we call a fear and fright patterns, where essentially the yang is up, person comes in and they're in fight and flight mode, the sympathetic nervous system is going nuts, and essentially the yang has no root and it's just up too high in the body. And so it could manifest in usually some sort of a nervousness, anxiety, insomnia, possibly even night sweats, but it also could manifest into in a situation where uh, the person's back is just chronically going out. You know, if the yang is too high in the body because it can't descend like it's supposed to, then the lower extremities will be vulnerable. They'll be more likely to be damaged because they're not having the the movement of yin that they should have. So a lot of times I'll check the hussy points in that scenario of both the stomach and the kidney. So it's stomach 36, kidney 10. And we'll get an okay sign, as Dr. Bear would call, would, would call it. And I'll basically then treat uh, stomach 36 and kidney 10, take the pulses again and notice that the pulse is evening. And then so that by the time I get to the last part of the treatment where we're controlling pain and getting them out of pain, in the case where the person's, say, thrown out their back, um, the treating the back pain is actually really, really simple. Because you've already... You've already put the system back into a kind of balance. It's already headed in the direction it's supposed to go. Yeah, yeah. You're allowing the body to do what it wants to do, but for the imbalance, in this case, but for the fear and anxiety that's causing all the yang to just surge up and rise up. Mm -hmm. And so that's a real common clinical application. Now, hang on a second. I want to interrupt you here for just a moment. You were talking about palpating the chassis points. What do you, what are you looking to feel there? How do you know if, if they're points worth needling or not? Yeah. So, and this is getting very specifically into the Dr. Bear method, basically. So this is specifically, you know, how, how we in this, you know, in this system kind of palpate, but essentially with one hand, we'll actually find and locate, you know, stomach 36, and then we'll be feeling the pulse for changes. Mm -hmm. Or feeling the abdomen because you know feeling the hara mm -hmm. for for a favorable balanced hara more you know even less you know sometimes uh, the patient will start breathing nice and deep instead of shallow and kind of up above the diaphragm yeah. so some sort of an okay point and then when you get that we'll say okay now that's the right point to treat so we're actually not so interested in palpating the actual stomach 36, I mean, that's pretty easy to find. We're looking for, do, by, by touching that point as a practitioner, mm -hmm. as the person administering the needling, is that going to basically restore homeostasis to the patient? And if we do, then we go, okay, let's go ahead and needle stomach 36. And then I would check kidney 10. 
using that same method. There's a whole methodology to that. And really, I think you can use any methodology that's sound. I'm sure, you know, you could use um, Kiko's palpation methods. I mean, it's just, if you know what you've got the right point, and you got a good sign, go for it. Yeah, I mean, this this is one of the really fun things about acupuncture. There are, I mean, there's plenty of different systems. And in a way, it doesn't matter which one you use. It's just a matter of, do you know what the markers are in that system? Yeah. It's like, which net catches the best fish? Well, the one you know how to use. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and it, and the martial, I love it. You know, people come up and say, oh, what's the most awesomest, you know, baddest martial art out there? It's Smith like, and Wesson. Yeah, right, right. Or the one you know how to use. The one you know how to use. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> I, yeah don't do the one you don't know how it to does. use. And, you know, yeah, likewise, I've seen some phenomenal TCM practitioners. I've seen some phenomenal, yeah, other meth, you know, Kiko, meth, you know, practitioners. So that's awesome. For instance, like another example would be you have a lot of spleen chi dampness in, you know, chi Chinese medicine, TCM. In the United States. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I think you're still in the sweet tea belt, aren't you, Michael? With ice, yeah, 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 sweet tea with ice, yeah. So I'm here in Georgia, and it's it's we're in the sweet tea belt, yep. and yeah, to, I have gotten into some really. I've I've had some people had words with me because I suggested that I yeah. they I might not want, that I might they might not want to have some sweet tea. I like to call it destroy the spleen decoction. Oh yeah, it's like it, it, yes, yeah, sweet tea is that's the it's the nuclear warhead for the spleen. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, but a lot of times in spleen chi, the really the way you're herbally and also I think the way from an acupuncture perspective that you really really revitalize the spleens by restoring the yang of the spleen, which is being squelched, and so in that case you're looking at is you want to basically if good clinical okay sign you would then want to basically take the yang of fire or you know the fire and move it into earth and you know what you would do at a point level is that as it maps out on the body so that's small intestine actually in this case it would be the small intestine in this model is actually would be for water don't oh. <laughs> so again, but this is this is we're working at a thirty thousand foot view. We're working at, a, at so so the way the, looking at it from the small intestine, you're looking at it from like the ten thousand foot view. There, we're looking at it from the thirty thousand foot view. Okay, all right. So, all right, so this is this is good. We're we're looking at it from different levels. Help me go from this sort of dialed in level that I'm looking at to the 30,000 foot level. Let's take, take me up there. How do I get there? Okay. So for those of you who kind of want to like get, dig into the classics and actually understand how this stuff works at the, at the point level, because essentially, if you think about it, you know, they have the five transport points, right? Which is what kind of a lot of the, the Japanese acupuncturists love to do. And I think clinically it's, it's really excellent, but the husband-wife relationship is also how the five transport points are lined up yin to yang. So, for instance, the wells start with, you know, the, which is the first point on the on the yang channel, start with yang metal. Mm -hmm. And then it goes to yin wood. It's the same relationship. So, the, the, the jing wells... And then you have the Ying Spring, 
And then you have, essentially, you have yang water going into yin fire. And then at the... So we're not talking here about, like, if I look at my large intestine channel, mm -hmm. yang metal, okay? Large intestine one is a metal point yes. on the yang channel. Large intestine two is a water point. Yes. It still follows the stems and branches, and it follows the husband-wife relationship at the point level. Have you got some kind of a uh, schematic or diagram that shows us? Because, you know, in talking about it, I can, I can kind of get what you're saying, but it, I almost feel like I need to look at something visually, which yeah. is hard to do on a podcast. But do you, I mean, do you actually have some diagramy sorts of things, or is there a place that you could point us toward that would have this? Well, so essentially I have, this is a model that I'm really comfortable actually sharing because it's classically sound and I have 10 years of experience of using it in the clinic. So I'm, I'm solid. I'm, you know, I could actually send this out and you could take a look at it and I'd be comfortable sharing this this model act we could like stick it on the show notes page. i would be happy to have you stick it on the show notes. all right yeah. all right folks all right kids it's over on the show notes page all right so essentially so you know going a little bit further right what's the third the the hussy points at the point level are wood young wood and yin earth mm -hmm. so following that logic around if you want to then essentially take Fire, because remember, we need to basically to generate fire, we need to think of the stomach channel and then also think of the kidney channel. But at the point level, if I want to take that fire and I want to move it into earth, then I'm going to be using stomach 43 and spleen 3 at the point level. Stomach 43 is the... Metal, it would be the water point. No, it's, it's the, wood, it's the point. wood point. It's the wood point. Stomach 43 is the wood point. Yep. We're taking the wood into... Spleen 3. Because remember, at the heavenly stem level, every time you have a gallbladder or a, or a, a yang wood year or a yin earthier, that is a earth year all right you just i just got lost here between trying to think of doing a transfer between meridians mm -hmm. and in yearly cycles it's the same dynamics whether you're at the whole world in the heavens and or you're at the at the channels or whether you're at the points okay so you are basically describing a fractal model yes of how these transformations take place and we've been going in between i mean i'm sitting here because i don't know the the heavenly stuff i'm out of thirty thousand feet mm -hmm. like you can you can be at the microscopic or thirty thousand feet mm -hmm. i'm sitting here at the meat suit level thinking about like points on my body right just as a way of orienting and i can see where i've gotten a little bit confused in the conversation here at times because you're describing some you're describing a resonance that goes throughout correct there's a lot there's a logical consistency an orderly consistency at all the levels of the body so for those of you who are interested in what the kunanjing has to say about the husband wife relationship at the point level 
and why the wells are the wells and the relationship, that's Nanjing 64. We'll make sure that's in the show notes yeah. too. And so essentially at this point, you have to just take it as axiomatic that like, mm-hmm. this is the how you, this is how you generate earth within fire. This is how you generate fire within fire. This is how you gen, but it just follows that same cycle. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jing well points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Same cycle, same patterning, and then as we are working with patients, something might come up and we're just thinking, oh, I want to take the energy here. Oh, it's too soggy. We need to bring in some fire and some warmth. And then you just you can just think about how you want to do that, given yep. the way that you see these relationships going everything from the body all the way up to weather patterns to how the universe turns itself. That's right. Holy smokes. Yeah. And the fun part is, you know, to have, you know, work through this and then to actually basically say, yep, I've got some clinical results to show this. And I think kind of the way I'm thinking about this is, I think it goes back to the clinical medical forensic anthropologist. It's going from clinical skills, executing clinical skills as you've been taught correctly, and then being able to go back and say, why and how did this work? And then building a a coherent model that gives you really good clinical results. One of the things I really like about um, being practicing in an area of the country where, uh, and again, I don't know, I I think you're probably in the same region of of the world where acupuncturists aren't really cool. There aren't many of us out there. Um, We're not understood. I'm viewed with a certain (laughs) amount of skepticism when certain people walk through the door and they're looking at me going, I don't know if this is going to work, but I sure hope so because I've tried everything else. And so, and also my good friend said I should come in here. Yep. Exactly. Yep. I hope they didn't lie to me. (laughs) Right. Right. But you know, in that environment we have, and I think you're in the same boat, we have an average, I have an average between one and three sessions to really make an impact on this patient. If they don't leave feeling appreciably better after one treatment, they probably aren't going to come back. I would say that is very much my situation. Sometimes they give me two chances. Right. Yeah, I say an average between one and three (laughs) sessions. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's, I mean, there very much is a sense of, 
you got to bring an A game. Every single time. Yeah. 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 I mean, people have to walk away going, oh, that's different. Yeah, right. At, at best, they'll say that's different. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for those like myself who are kind of intrigued with this and, and now I, I've got this sort of fuzzy sense of how this fractal works mm-hmm. and I've got some nice chapters outlined here thanks to you and the reading and research that you've done. But if somebody wanted to jump in and, and start their own study, mm-hmm. what direction would you point us in here? Well, and this is probably going to end up being like a, a shameless plug for my teacher, Dr. Bear. But I mean, find, a te- you know, find somebody like Dr. Bear who's got really, really good clinical skills and good palpatory skills where there's a very tight relationship between if I do A, if I do this specific technique, I can expect this specific result. And the closer you can get, one can get their practice to immediate results and specific results, the easier this stuff is to test out. Because the, the further the distance between the cause and effect the longer it takes to actually just kind of put this stuff together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, I mean, this is one of the beauties of any kind of acupuncture that's palpation-based is we have clear, clear markers, physical sensate markers we can go back to and check and see and course correct as we're right. doing the treatment. No, I agree with that. So this, I mean, this is really interesting to me, David, because... It, when I think about stems and branches and really kind of the, I'm going to say air quotes here, scholarly, somewhat esoteric aspects of, of Chinese medicine, think of an intellectual process. I think of thinking. I, it, I don't think it disembodied is quite fair, but it's, you know, it's more in the mental realm. And what I'm hearing you talk about that the way to get to that is First, dial in some acupuncture that's very sense-based, read your classics, and then this stuff starts to come into view. I think that's a really nice way to think about it. And uh, I think there's a risk that we all get into, those of us who really love the medicine. And like with for myself, I was really drawn to kind of the philosophy behind Asian studies and Asian Asian culture and whatnot. There's this sense that we really dig into the classics and kind of discover the the mystical East and kind of some esoteric stuff. And I don't think any of that really exists. I think at the end of the day, this these models were all built around survival and from a very practical sense as if I do A, fewer people die. If I do B, more people die. And so we're going to do more of A and less of B. And, and then, you know, we just had a so I think you have to start with the cl- the clinical practice and the feedback skills. Otherwise, you, I don't. Th- I think you just end up being very, very, just esoteric and 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 not very effective in the clinic. Well, I love how these two things can complement each other. Yeah, and that to me, I think if I didn't have like this kind of anthropological forensic kind of wisdom of the elders to pa- you know to tap into. It would really, you know, I don't know about you, but Chinese medicine just wouldn't have the same, the same flair for me. It wouldn't be as interesting. Yeah. 
Well, it, it is funny and it is interesting that there are a lot of people that have come before us that have had something to say about this and that we still have access to you know, much of that information. That's that in some ways that's super cool. At the same time, I want to be very cautious here because there's a, yeah, I mean, we're living in a similar part of the country. There's a lot of people that take a particular book that was uh, written by a group of people about 2,000 years ago, and it's like, if it's not in the book, you know, <laughs> then it's, you know, if it's in the book, it's right. Oh, you know what you. I'm talking I hear about. You. Yeah, and so we just, we can, with Chinese medicine, do the same thing with the Neijing or Nanjing or any right. of that, right? Well, you know, the Neijing says, and so, and, and so I know how, for me, the question is, how do we take it so that it's alive stuff? It's not just dead person's words that we think are cool. Right. And I think a lot of it is, you know, this is where I look to the inspiration and the example of my teachers, you know, where, for instance, like Dr. Bear was like taught chapter 69. And he's like, I'm just not getting the the clinical results that I'm really happy, you know, I don't think I should, I think I should be getting better clinical results than I am with chapter 69. Let's look elsewhere. Let's really, really start to dig elsewhere and, and let's see where our clinical practice takes us and not mm -hmm. be afraid to really go to with where the results are and go with where our patients are leading us. And yet know that probably if we don't understand, if we think there's no relevance in the classics, we probably just don't understand the classics. Yeah. Well, I've, I remember hearing Dr. Wang Jui talk about that he had some kind of understanding about some line from one of the books. I don't remember the one exactly. And, you know, he tried to get it to work for years. And, and, and you know, he'd be constantly like, you know, I'm just not getting the results right. that I really think I should be getting. And he'd study it and read commentaries and think about his clinical work. And, you know, and you stick with this stuff long enough and you go, oh, actually, maybe it's not like that. This, it's a little bit like that. Right. It's still in there. It's a, it's a slightly different way of looking at it. And then it brings a whole different thing into view. And I think that's also really something, again, looking at these really well-trained classical teachers this idea that if I don't understand it, it must be wrong versus if I don't under, if I can't make it work, maybe it's something I don't understand yet. And I need to actually go back and shift my perspective a little bit. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I often hear, well, I don't know if I often hear it, but I, I, I get discouraged when I hear people say, oh, Chinese medicine doesn't treat that. Oh my gosh. I, I, yes. I get discouraged because... My suspicion is it just might be that you don't know how to treat it yet, or I don't know how to treat it yet. We have a 2,000 plus year tradition. And just to me, you know, even as a practitioner who's been doing this maybe only 11 years, and I just feel like I'm just figuring this stuff out. For me, after 11 years to basically say that dismiss 2,000 years of tradition and the lineages of all these people that have just really, really gotten good at this. It's just, to me, it's just the height of arrogance. I mean, it really is. Back to the books, kids. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. 
What else do we need to know about stems and branches before we start to wind this down? Well, I mean, essentially, for me, it's just like, and again, I am not a scholar of the stems and branches. I'm looking at no, the No, but fi- you know what? You're a, you're a pretty good mechanic of it, though. Well, and then, then I would say I'm doing something at least marginally right, because that's really what I'm doing, is I'm trying to really, really just reconstruct results. And I think a lot of it is, in terms of the, the, the heavenly stems and the branches, is it's literally the map and the motive force behind why Chinese medicine is the way it is. And I think we kind of have this idea that it's, it's where the rubber hits the road between all this esoteric old theory and these old, old uh, almanacs and old ways of looking at things and this actual clinically relevant living system that we have today. I mean, the fact that we can take something that's this old and it still works is really optimistic. It really is hopeful that in the face of our very chaotic world, our rapidly changing world, a world where we value new, we value modern, we value uh, the next best thing, where technology is changing so rapidly that we can actually go and say, well, essentially, I can still use this old five-phase model and this model that's based on this old calendar. And it's a, and then there's a, a microcosm on the body that works. It's really encouraging. I mean, humans haven't changed we are still the way our ancestors were underneath all of the fancy technology and the fast lives that we live in. And that's cool to me. Great. Well, David, thank you so much. And I look forward to hearing when you get the uh, earthly stems dialed in. We'll have another conversation about that. (laughs) Well, with any luck, it'll be in five years or so. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. (laughs) 